Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby Keg Podcast, episode Ooh. 453. Mitch on the other side of the Zoom, Charlie here with you. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy first day of the tournament. Um, it is a great day to be an American. Um, just one of the best. Um, it's special when St. Patrick's Day and the brackets fall on the same day. It's like you're cheating a little bit, but it's great. Um, Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Good. Hanging right in there. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. It's, uh, it's a different, I guess, vibe. Um, I was just thinking earlier today that, you know, about like watching the tournament in high school and stuff and like just how much of like a grab ass day that is because you're finding, you know, they bring out the, they haul out the TVs. Now this is 2007, you know, mid two thousands, I was in high school. They'd haul out the TVs on like the old metal crates that are like shoulder high. They'd They'd haul out some big old boob tube and you'd watch like, the one game you could watch at the time right you know cbs would um, just have one game on it would be yeah and that's that's actually been a point of discussion among some of my friends like i think everybody likes the way it is now but i think at first people are like man i kind of like the the cut-ins of like every game you know you kind of saw every game on one channel and they would just cut in and you know i mean you'd, you'd, you'd have your you'd have your regional games you'd see but then if it'd be like the under four minute timeout, they'd cut to that close game and you'd, you wouldn't miss anything. And, you know, now you can go to whatever game you want, which is kind of the same thing, but there was something kind of inherently special about the cut-ins and the kind of the suspense. And you'd be watching the, the game get tight and the top upper right corner, they'd have the, the score box and the score bug. And then, you know, they'd eventually switch to that game and you catch the end of it and there'd be some buzzer beater or something. And, you know, just, just that whole thing. And I mean, I don't really get that anymore, but as a, as a fully grown man sometimes, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a great day for sure. The one I, I remember distinctly um, and he's going to kill me for this and hopefully he'll remember a friend of the program, Shannon, we were hanging out in, I think middle school or high school. And they, I think the Badgers were playing Northern Iowa and it was a brutal game, like Dick Bennett style basketball, just ugly as sin. And in the upper right hand corner, it's Syracuse and Vermont. And all of a sudden it's getting close. It's getting close. And then he's like, flip the game. Like we're yelling at the TV, like flip it. And they, you know, obviously <laughs> because it's like the Badgers, they won't flip it. And sure enough, they do. Sorrentine hits Sorrentine hits the shot. Shannon is just pissed. I think we ended up like going for a drive or something. You know, high school bullshit, right? Mm, but yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was something else, man. Um, yeah. And oh, you watch the game. You'd watch the games at school, and then as soon as that final bell hit, you were going to somebody's house to, you know, um, you grab a twelve pack of Mountain Dew or something. You'd you'd, you'd <laughs> hunker in and you watch that. You'd watch the rest of that one window, and then you get a dinner time like break back in that day. Right, you know, there'd be like a, like a four to six, where there wouldn't really be any games on. No, yeah, there, there isn't even that. Anymore. They like got, they got so smart about that. Like Marquette's playing oh, yeah. that three thirty slot today. Yep, and I kind of hate it, honestly, because I, I don't like that. Would have been an ideal time to start like getting to the bar, getting everything together, and like five thirty is gonna be peak, like. 
people are working. But I do think a lot of people are taking off tomorrow, like in a combination of either taking off for the tournament or they're taking off for St. Patrick's Day. And they're just, you know, either going to work Friday and it'd just be a jag off day or they're going to just take off the whole week week. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm doing after 1230 on, uh, on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. So it'll be, uh, it'll be something else, man. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a really fun tournament. We're going to talk a little bit about the bracket at the very end. So like you guys can listen to this all weekend while you're watching the games, while you're, you know, something gets boring, you throw us on, we'll give you a little bit more of an evergreen show. We're going to talk about, you know, if the Green Bay Packers have the most pressure of any Wisconsin sports team. I have a great, like, twist for that for Mitch. I cannot wait to tell him that. Um, we're going to talk about can the fourth quarter Bucks save the always save third quarter Bucks? Is it bad for the Brewers to have two taking teams for the playoffs? We'll explain that. And then any last-minute bracket thoughts at the very end. Um, if you're listening to this either tonight or tomorrow before the, the brackets come out, you can still sign up uh, for Cabin the Keg Madness. We have a good, good group. I think we're at like 32 right now. It's pretty good for us to um, have prizes. So hopefully we'll get one final push um, here in the waning moments um, and people can enter in and get themselves some prizes completely free to them. So let's start with the Green Bay Packers, Mitch. Uh, it's been obviously a big week. For the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers is the headliner, but you know people underneath it, such as Preston Smith, has been brought back. Alan Lazard, you figure, will be back, um, barring some team trying to give a second-round pick, which I, I feel like they will not do um, for Alan Lazard, for that matter. Um, and they got rid of Zedaria Smith and Billy Turner, Devondre Campbell also back, and they're knocking on the door with Rasul Douglas. I don't know if that has been solved um, since whatever, six o'clock when I last was on Twitter, but the Packers are all in the Rogers contract. I think we all know this. And I, I have a hard time wondering like the pressure of this team. Do you think like, if you had to percentage it out, how many Packer fans, and I would say casual and diehard, if you want to split it, you can are like, this is super bowl or bust. They have to win a super bowl in the next three years or this is a colossal failure? Where would you percentage that out at? Um, of all Packer fans? Yeah. I mean, let's uh, just do die. Let's just do diehards first. Then we could go to casuals like Pinnats. Um, diehards are always going to be there. I mean, you have your, right. your Nolan, you have your Nolan Murphy's of the world who want to, you know, proud season ticket, proud generational season ticket holder that, just want to see them be be good all the time and want what's best for the organization irregardless of what the narratives are and what the what the optics are um for i think diehards is probably less than than the casuals just because like of you know everything i just laid out i think it's right you know i, I think there's still a good chunk i think that they all want to see a super bowl you know so maybe it's like 70 percent because i yeah. you know i think there's there's a lot of people that need a Super Bowl in the next three years um, just with the way everything's gone the past handful of years. And um, yeah, in, in terms of casuals, I think there's a lot of casual people that don't like Aaron Rodgers that I think that a Super Bowl is one of the few ways to, to make everything right again. So I think that's probably closer to like 90%. I mean, of, of, of casuals. 
I, I don't disagree with you. And I think that it's definitely something that Packer fans are going to have to deal with. You know, those who are diehards are going to have to deal with those casual fans in their life where like, this is all or nothing. I think that Aaron Rodgers might tone it down in terms of the spicy takes. So I think some of those casuals might sort of endear themselves back to Aaron Rodgers. I understand that there's some frustration. I get that you want to start new and you want to look at like what Jordan Love would look like, or let's just say like a Derek Carr, like they traded him to Vegas, right? And you want to see what Derek Carr looks like instead. The fact of the matter is, is any fan base, and I'm not even kidding, any fan base and maybe any sport would kill to have a generational talent like Aaron Rodgers going to the playoffs every year and coming up short. It sucks. It sucks that it happens, but mm-hmm. there is something incredibly special about that. And I think we do take it for granted. I know there are people in media who call it a title town. And I think that's extremely accurate. I think that we definitely sniff our own farts a little bit about what we can and, and, and don't have available to us. It's, it's right on the doorstep. So, yeah, I think the pressure will be real. It's just a question of can the Packers, like, are they going to rise above it or are they going to fall apart? Because usually in sports, when we see the pressure get really high and really the, the heat gets hot, usually they don't go above it. Usually they, they kind of burn. So that's where I'm, like, worried a little bit preemptively about the Packers because I just worry if it's too much pressure. It's it yeah it's it's a ton of pressure. I mean, and that's all been I guess based off the way Aaron Rodgers has handled things. Um, yeah, and even even very recently with denying the the contract stuff, and now he's you know it it essentially turned out to be what the contract was reported, and I think yeah. for some some people that's fine, but you know you're mainly your diehards that. You know, and people like, I, I don't know, me, I guess, who realize that it's it's your best avenue to the Super Bowl immediately is to keep Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, for him to, to deny the act like the contract was way off, the, the reported contract was way off, and then it comes out kind of officially, and it's 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 more or less the same thing. Was it was it technically four years, 200 million? Not really. I mean, it's it's a very confusing contract, like most NFL contracts. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, that also, I think, pissed some people off on top of all the stuff that's that's gone on over the last almost 12 months. So, sure. I mean, I, I, it, I will, it, just, it adds to the fire. Oh, 100%. But I, I do think that people, again, this like they need to pull themselves out of Wisconsin and look and understand that there are so many quarterbacks as they get older, they just kind of get weird. Like Troy Aikman had a moment like going way back. Troy Aikman, ESPN's new $18 million man. Like the Cowboys wanted him out and Aikman nearly signed with the, the Chargers and was ready to sign with the Chargers and felt disrespected by, by the Cowboys. Drew Brees, you know, was washed up, yet no one wanted to tell Drew Brees that he was washed up and should have got rid of his ass, but they didn't, they didn't have the heart to do it. They, they knew the PR hit that that would endure. Same with the Steelers, right? Like I do think if the Steelers would have got off a big bet last year, they might've been a playoff team. And I do wonder if that's going to happen with Rogers, but you've won two MVPs. You're keeping your body in good shape. I think Rogers compares himself to Tom Brady 
And Rogers thinks he can, as long as Tom was able to do it, Tom's sort of the gold standard. And I don't know if I've seen Aaron Rodgers miss a step, but the question I guess will be is I wonder if he will get complacent, especially if they deal Jordan Love. Like I understand the contracts of Love, but his value is never higher than it is right now. And so if you trade Jordan Love, does Rodgers go back to kind of that complacent guy with yeah. the whole reason they drafted Love was what he got complacent in 18 and 19? That's a legit question. I guess I hadn't thought of that yet. I mean, that's an interesting concept. I mean, he, you're right. He was, he was, I, you know, on the decline. I know that, you know, sort of um complacent's probably a better word i mean just sort of you know comfortable and went through the motions um, he, he did not yeah, work and, out at the way he should was, have and let his feet just could, go to shit you know that could thing. be that could be but also you know the first year with lafleur and there was certainly a feeling out period and yeah i mean that's that that's an interesting thought that maybe maybe rogers would if they move off of love which they are probably going to have to um Along those lines, I mean, would you, if you're, if the Washington Commanders came calling offering a second and third for Jordan Love, I think you take that, right? Yeah. If you're the Packers. Yeah, for sure. Um, if and, the- and I think I think if you ask any Washington Commanders football fan, uh, would they rather have Carson Wentz at you know thirty million or whatever he's getting, or or Jordan Love on a on a rookie deal? I, I think I think they would take Jordan Love. Yeah, it's just I, I think there are a lot of teams where Jordan Love would make some sense because, you know, right now, sure. right now, the Saints, the Browns, the Panthers are all needing quarterbacks. The Colts, who also have said they're not going to be in on Love, also, you know, need a quarterback. What if the Colts trade for Matt Ryan? What if they make like a godfather? And I'm not saying that's the Colts should do that. But what if the Colts trade for Matt Ryan? Then all of a sudden Atlanta needs a quarterback with a young, young roster. Um yeah. You know, what if Cleveland strikes out on Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, apparently that bridge is burnt and they want an adult. That quarterback was the word from Chris Mortensen uh, yesterday. So, so where do we go there? Right. And yeah. I, yeah, I just think that I get the, the, the argument against love is that he basically is like a, a cheap contract that and you're already on, like, you know, you have some issues with the cap, whatever we know the cap's fake, but, it's an easy way to manipulate the cap with Jordan Love's contract. So why fuck with that when back and quarterbacks are very expensive? And that's true. But I, I do think that there is, it's never been, the value will never be higher. And the only way I guess Love's value would be higher is if he shows out in preseason and then he's like the top trade target come like the deadline in November, where it might be a team yeah. like San Francisco with Grapple, right? Where they traded Jimmy G midseason, even though they were they were kind of in the tank, and it's kind of a look forward to next year. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, with this mostly media driven quarterback carousel, I mean, yeah. as you laid out there, I mean, there's there's a uh, you know there there's a plethora you'd think of of potential landing spots for Jordan Love. It's just probably a matter of when because you know I don't think Jordan Love and his agents. It, it's not really fair to him the situation he's, he's been, he's sort of been handed. Right. And, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily crying about playing time, but I think at the end of the day, when you look at it, you're a first round, first round pick. It's like, I got to get paid at some point or I have to give myself an opportunity to get paid. 
So, and, and playing three and a half preseason, well, it'll, shit, probably by next year, it'll be two preseason games. Oh, and, nice. you know, and, and, and that's not, you know, it might build his value, but that's fine and dandy, but those games don't count. And, right. you know, there's, there's spots for him available. And it's, it's pretty clear that the Packers have made, you know, the, the long-term commitment to Rogers, unless he retires, but I don't know if that's, if that's going to happen, you know, anytime soon. And if he does, you know, the Packers are pretty much probably finally screwed on the cap. Um, yeah. That would be the only which, way where, where they, the cap boys would get their revenge. Like Ken Inglis, I think if that happened, Ken would just be jerking off furiously um, and, and just absolutely going nuts. You know, that would be, that would be a, like Ken's shining moment. Like one shining Ken would be that Rogers retiring. Um, but that's here and over there. That's just personal vendettas. Back to uh, the, and I, I never even interact with the guy. I just think he, whatever. I don't even need, I don't need to get into this too early for the podcast. Um, moving on, going back to like the pressure conversation about, you know, the most pressure. If we really think about it, you know, I think part of this is social media driven, right? That everybody's talking about NFL day in, day out. And it's first take and Aaron Rodgers will always find his way on get up. So they're always going to be part of the conversation. They might not be the Cowboys, but they're right there. I would say Rodgers is in that top five category. And I think, you know, you made a mention last week with Murph about how Rodgers has replaced Brady. Now Tom Brady's back since then, since we talked, but still I I think that Rodgers and Brady are kind of one A and one B right now. I think they both carry their own kind of weight of fascination, if you will. So I think that's where the pressure goes. Cause you think about the teams in the nineties, I don't think it really was there. I think, you know, post that first suit, that second Super Bowl when you lose, there was a slight bit of pressure, but what was weird about, you know, that in retrospect is Mike Holmgren leaves. So then you kind of reset the deck and yeah, it was Mike Sherman, but, it wasn't the same. Like, if Holmgren stayed there, then I think there, the pressure would have got way bigger than it ever did with Favre. Yeah. And, two, back in the 90s, that was a buildup for a few years. And But before that, I mean, you had, what, 25 years of futility yeah. in the Packers organization. So I think, I think maybe, obviously, yes, no social media, no, frankly, no internet hardly. Right, Back Brett Favre. So. Brett Favre wouldn't have survived with some of the stories you hear about Brett Favre. There would be no way that Brett Favre, Brett Favre would have been all over like Us Weekly and shit. It would have been terrible. Um, oh, yeah. So, but like, I mean, who knows if Brett Favre? At, yeah, sorry, but so you're, you're, I mean, you're looking at people not necessarily like the you're in the honeymoon still, so to sure. speak. Like oh, now, oh, now yeah. Had, now you've had 30 years uh, coming off that damn near where, you know, um, the expectations have been essentially through the roof since, you know, outside of probably a couple of years where, you know, the occasional four and 12 or six and 10 or, sure. I mean, this would... you know, Rogers first year starting, but for the most part, it's been, it's championship or bust. And then and, and they failed to do that uh, right. time and time again, the last 10 years. Yeah. So it's exactly. really, it's really, it's really a pressure cooker. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, some of the Rogers failures get overblown by the media and by the casuals because 
like the defenses were really bad. And I don't think Packers always put Rodgers in the best situation to win. I think there was a lot of antiquated thinking. Ted Thompson did a lot of good for the Packers, but I think Ted did not, you know, react to the trends and were more stuck in his ways than he probably should have been just in retrospect and why maybe there was so much failure and why pressure has been added on. Cause you just wonder if some, if, you, if the Packers were a little more forward thinking and would have done a little more in free agency, would they have already had a Super Bowl? But the, the other part of that, which I, I think people lose sight of is like, if Packers had another Super Bowl, like would Mike McCarthy still be the head coach of this team? Like would yeah. Aaron Rodgers be gone because he fucking hated Mike McCarthy and needed to go somewhere else? Like, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, it's so fucking cheesy. It's like out of a Pinterest uh, pin to say like everything happens for a reason, but I really do believe that sometimes with the Packers. And I, I do think that that's part of it as well. If you look at the other teams in Wisconsin, you know, I think the Bucks would have hit this, this pressure cooker to what you said. If had they not won a championship, we were year three into Giannis's contract. The pressure would have been a mess. So I'll ask you this then to kind of twist it on its head. Will Giannis kind of become the next Rogers in the sense of if they don't win another championship, when will people start getting thirsty for another one? Is it going to be three years, four years, or is the window just going to be that much shorter? Wow. I don't know. Um, yeah, probably to answer your initial question. I mean, he, he would, I think we're a few years away from that. hundred percent. I think I actually, I think we're, we should be eight or nine years. I don't know if the NBA media is going to allow us to do that, but we, one title's a good, but we're, but you know, that's how it goes. And and that's the, that's the kicker is the media in the NBA. is So um, reactionary. And so like hyper-focused on winning the championship and you know getting there and just always coming through and you know it it probably and that's probably partially because one player means so much in basketball so you know whereas you know Rodgers can as you talked about seconds ago you know you can blame the special teams or the defense or this receiver or that guy was hurt or you know, uh, just a fluke play, Brandon Bostick or something like that, where, you know, there, there's always something to kind of, to point to, whereas like in basketball, it's like, you know, if Giannis doesn't step up and score 50 in game six, who knows what happens? Um, yeah. I mean, if I mean, there's, a, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, that Sun series is absolutely yeah. wild to look back at, like the holiday steal, the, the block, right? Like, you know, and I well, think. If, oh God! If they lose the if, if they lose to Brooklyn, you know. Oh yeah. Let Let's say they Kevin Durant as has a a size smaller shoe as everybody likes to point at. Yeah. And that's a tie game, and they go to no, well, no, they would have won it, or probably. And you know, here we are with no championship year three. Coach Bud is more than likely gone. Rick Carlisle's uh, our coach. Oh, oh fuck. And uh, which I actually wanted, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. In retrospect, um, yeah, Rick Carlisle, a lot of his commentary about Sabonis, like, I, would he have made Giannis a post player? Like, 
is he basically the modern day Jerry West? If you're watching Meeting Time, like Jerry West has this whole thing, and it's over. It's definitely dramatized. I don't think Jerry West liked this, but Jerry West was a coach of the Lakers right before they went on their run, and uh, Jerry was convinced that Magic Johnson going to be a point guard. Like he's like he has to be in the post. Like he's six nine, he has to be in the post. Norm Nixon's wow. my point guard. Yeah, and so you listen to this, and you're like, God. Kind of sounds like Giannis. Like it kind of sounds like how some of the old, like antiquated takes about Giannis onto the Kumbo were. And so it's like, yeah, I I do wonder what that pressure will look like. I don't want to see it. Like I want another title this year or next year. And then it's like, look, man, then you're kind of on easy street. Then it becomes the Giannis era. And that's the other thing about basketball, is there's all these eras, Jordan, Kobe. Shaq had an era. Um, you have LeBron, who I think had an era. I think Steph had an era. You, you're kind of errorless. Like people are like, oh, it's crazy. We don't have the best player in the NBA. Like, we don't know who that is. It's fucking Giannis. Just people are not ready to admit it. it it's going to take one more playoff. Like if they go and win the title this year, everybody's going to shut the fuck up. Everybody mm-hmm. is. There's nothing left. It's, we will be obnoxious. We'll be rowdy. It'll be, it'll be bad. Um, they they wouldn't even have to. Win. I mean, if they get through the East Gauntlet and even get yeah, to the finals, that's true. Again, yeah. I mean, without regardless whether they they win the title ultimately or not, I mean, I think I'd be very very proud. I guess looking, <laughs> I'd be upset if they lost in the finals in the moment. But then you'd be like, man, you know, to make it yeah. through, you know, probably gonna end up playing fucking Brooklyn in the first round or something stupid like that. Can't wait. And who knows? And then, you know, I don't know. We all know what the potential path would be. So, I mean, to make it out of that and, you know, then you get a rematch with Phoenix, um, you know, who would be a very difficult opponent. They're, they're a little bit, diff- little bit better of a team than they were last year. A lot of their, a lot of their holes have been fixed from last year. Um, so that would, that would be an absolute battle. I, I just, I'll just I, say, I just think, Oh, I do agree with you that it's like a good, a good postseason. Another, I mean, historic postseason for Giannis would, would kind of cement that. And then of course, you know, I mean, I mean, if you knock out Durant in the first round, then yeah. I think it really, then you have then two really Durant. solidifies it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You have two at Durant and that's a big thing. Now, again, this, all this shit matters in like the NBA sort of historian type stuff. Like people care about mm-hmm. this. And it's probably, you know, for us, we're both Simmons listeners. He does a lot of it. I'm, I'm shocked that he hasn't brought up the Hakeem-David Robinson comparison with Giannis and Embiid because it's right there. And I'm just waiting for him to get to it. I'm like, I almost want to, like, if they have a mailbag, want to write in and be like, isn't this just basically 95 all over again? When Hakeem played David Robinson, David Robinson won MVP, and Hakeem took him to the cleaners. Because that's, I think, where we might be headed with him, with Giannis and Embiid. That'd be great. I can't wait. But um, to wrap up sort of the pressure, yeah, Brewers, I will say this. I want to say this really quickly about the Brewers. I can't believe that nobody really cared that the Brewers were pretty much meaningless after the 82 World Series with Robin Yao and Paul Molitor, arguably two of of the best players in baseball during that time. Like that, like I realized the 80s, different era, right? But like, how the fuck did they not get back to a World Series or how did they not even sniff a World Series. They, I mean, they didn't even sniff a World Series, and nobody well, cares. 
Nobody cares. Back back then, only like two teams from each league meant. Well, playoffs. okay, that's fair. That's fair. That is a fair argument. But and I'd have to like actually like deep dive this a little bit more. But I just am like, man, oh man, and that's just that's it's kind of wild to me, right? Yeah, I mean that's an interesting thought. I mean, but look at how many were in baseball. Oh, I, I mean, know. Yeah, the Brewers looks like they really. I'm just looking at the 1983 standings, and they they fell down quite a bit in the uh, American League East. Yeah, after I mean, probably I assume winning it in '82. I mean, Robin um, Young, Robin Young's body was probably like three parts cocaine, seven parts Miller Lite. Like that was probably where Robin was at in '83. If, if we're just being honest, I mean, that's the that's the stereotypical '80s athlete. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, we might have to bump, <laughs> might have to bump that cocaine usage up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so, but you're look. I mean, you're dealing with. They were in the American League East back then, um, which you know the Red Sox weren't very good at that time. But they got better though. So, I mean, they got the '86 World Series. That's the Buckner. That's the Buckner World Series, right? But you, you've always had to deal with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, and the Orioles had like Eddie, Eddie, what Eddie Murray. Back hey, then. Murray, yeah, yeah, and and Cal Ripken was probably a young pup, yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy, fair, but it's fair. Right. I I think it's it's fair to mention that yeah, it was totally different eras. You're right, but it did not have like another chance, and then that team just gets their dick sucked like left and right. Like whenever the Brewers need to sell some tickets, it's like, hey, let's bring the '82 team back, um, you know, and that's oh, yeah. that's what they do. Um, they they love it. I mean, it's right there with you. Um, I, well, I just and, like... and people, people just have, you know, they hang on to that 82 World Series appearance like it's, you know, a family heirloom. And I don't know. I mean, that would, that they, actually, they just, they got to get back there. They got to yeah. get back there. Oh, and so you could argue, you could argue the Brewers have a decent amount of pressure. We'll talk about the Brewers here in a second, but like, they have a decent amount of pressure. I think they, the fact that they keep sniffing around, I think what makes it tougher is the fact that the Dodgers are just a juggernaut, even though they have a Mickey Mouse title. People don't forget that. But the, uh, the fact that LA just is, they, they, money isn't an option is infuriating to, and it's really hard to basically, you know, compete that way. And some people have been able to do it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, you're right. There's a little bit of pressure I'd say for the Brewers as well. We probably should have went right into the box topic that I had when we talked about the box and then brought back in the Brewers about pressure, but whatever. Um, moving to back to the box, they're playing tonight. They're just about to tip off. Got Sacramento Kings, um, third game of their four game road trip, finish off in Minnesota, which kind of a bummer that game's at 4 p.m on saturday like yeah i mean right in the heart of the tournament time like can we bump that up to like noon when there's nothing going on like i don't really worry about the daytime bucks anymore because all these guys have kids so like i don't think they nap anyway and like they used to so that doesn't bother me like can't we just play this at noon um what's wrong with that come fresh off of you visit and and get ready to go um, but unfortunately, it's at four o'clock. So, what I what I wondered, and I, I was thinking about this watching uh, Monday night, and I saved the topic for us, and I ask you, you know, can can the Bucks, you know, basically 
take their fourth quarter play because the fourth quarter play has been excellent for the last two or three weeks. Can that ultimately always bail out their continually shitty third quarter performance? Or do you think that's, or do you think that's not sustainable? I mean, I, I think it is sustainable. Um, you know, you've seen how awesome Drew Holiday has been in the fourth oh quarter for a lot of the, a lot of these games over the last couple of weeks when they've really started to take things a little more seriously. And, um, you know, Giannis is always going to have Giannis is always full go hundred percent, always making an impact. Um, but you've seen Drew Holiday in particular really step up his game to another level in these fourth quarters. And, you know, you don't obviously don't want to dig yourself too big of a hole in the third quarter. Um, you'd like to have at least a lead at halftime. But that seems what that's what it seems like happens is with the third quarter, they kind of fall apart at the end of the second quarter and they have bad vibes going into the locker room. And then they come back out and the third quarter, and it seems like, you know, it's just a barrage from the other team to start the third quarter and they are, you know, on their heels for that whole quarter. And then they're able to bail themselves out. And I, I mean, I do think it's, I do think it's sustainable. Um, I just need to hope that the third quarters don't get so bad in a playoff game that um, every single playoff game that they're unable to, it just gotta, gotta sort of, sort of maintain it a little bit in the third quarter. I, I think we're at the point where we've accepted the third quarter is, is terrible. Most games. Right. Well, yeah, if if the Bucks like tie a team in the third quarter, like we have whooped, right? Like we're just like, oh, yeah. that's great. Like that's it's an excellent third quarter for the Bucks. Or if they're like down one, we're like, all right, cool, that's fine. We still lead by seven. Great, awesome. We didn't we didn't fuck this up too bad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just you know when those the guys are all stuff. I mean, even Javon Carter. I mean, I'm still not going to expect the world out of him, but he's looked very, very good. And him getting closing time minutes against uh, in a tough environment in Utah, seeing a couple big free throws, you know, he's a welcome addition as well. I mean, if, if you can, it, like literally if you have a lineup of like Carter, Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, and like Brooke Lopez, I, I mean, I don't know how you're scoring. Yeah, I was. Well, I was just going to ask you, like, how do you feel about the take that Javon Carter is this year's PJ Tucker? Because, I mean, it's well, it's I, different. Not, it's we're not different. there yet. We're not there yet. No. But bitchy, I, I mean, this guy, like, it, it's he's really providing a, a just a welcomed, you know, approach and on the bench and. This corner three stuff that I, I'm sure Bud and company had him just like, hey, just when you're in the corner, just shoot. And I was on a podcast, I think the Euro stuff, where he's like, yeah, Bud just lets us lets us play basketball. Like none of the coaches, like there's a complete freedom with the way Bud plays or Bud coaches. And he's obviously embraced it. He obviously likes it. And it's fun, man. And I think the, one other thing I think, yeah, Third quarter, I, I don't know if it's just, I guess I don't like that that's always the thing because it will always creep that if we get railroaded in a third quarter, like say we play the Warriors in the finals, right? The Warriors are always known for their third quarters. And if you're going, yeah. okay, the Warriors, awesome third quarter team, 
versus the Bucks, who are terrible in the third quarter, like it's a little scary. And that's oh. like, and I'll be honest, like I thought the Bucks were going to roll against Golden State last Saturday, and Steve Kerr made some real adjustments, and they kind of outran the Bucks. And I don't know if it was just first game of a road trip. I don't know if it was the Bucks just. You know, they had played so many big games recently that it was just Eric, a little flat, and they just never were able to sort of pick it back up. I'm not making excuses for the guys. I'm just kind of trying well, to understand why, you know, like, should I be concerned if we see Golden State on the other side of the bracket come finals time? I think Golden State, Luka, Luka Doncic just hit a buzzer beater to beat the Nets. That's huge. Oh. Um, oh no, Spencer Dinwiddie. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Spencer uh, Dinwiddie. Uh, that's two. That's two now. Spencer Dinwiddie. Noted. Uh, noted East killer. Spencer Dinwiddie. Crazy. Um, so, anyway, I think against Golden State, I don't know. I, we were I, we were all upset on Twitter, um, <laughs> all Bucks fans, and I think you just it like in that game, the rebounding was pretty unacceptable. However. That was just the game where Clay got hot for the first time since, you know, he got, you know, he came back from the injury. Jordan Poole was out of his mind. Now he's had a good year. People like him, you know, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. He's not super random, but I just think Golden State was kind of, you know, out of their minds, so to speak. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're a tremendous team and a great offensive team for sure, but I don't know. He only lost by 13 in Golden State, probably the toughest place to play in the league it's uh you know i don't know I, i'm not i'm not totally bent out of shape about that game looking back on it. and then of course winning in utah helps um so oh, i yeah. upset that because that's that yeah, was, that's that, that, that i mean you kind of you can never expect to win in utah they haven't won no. there in 19 years right until this week so i mean winning that off offsets i think that they came out a little more refocused. They had Brooke Lopez back, which I think is huge for the, for the morale and the, uh, and the chemistry and the focus and the defensive intensity. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not too bad out of shape about what happened against the Warriors, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd be, I, yeah, they would, they would have to figure some things out in the series against Golden State for sure. Um, but I, the Bucks are so like, especially with Javon Carter emerging and now Brooke coming back. Like, I feel like they can play and defend so many different styles and right. can match up all over the court, really. I mean, if, if Golden State wants to start, which they, I, I think that was a new addition, Jordan Poole to the starting lineup. Right. They have Steph, Jordan Poole, and Clay. You know, maybe you see a lot more Javon Carter to match up with all those guards. And, you know, maybe you see less Serge Ibaka, who, yeah. you know, ironically was good against the, the Warriors um, and has been better the last few games. Um, yeah. Uh, and I feel like War they, they just have kind of an embarrassment of riches, the Bucks do. Oh, um, and, and don't forget, Pat Connaughton's going to be back at some point. And Pat Connaughton is right. kind of teasing that on Twitter. And, like, Pat – and I, I do wonder with, like – how much they waited until Brooke was like fully healthy. And you see some of the comments from him, like this is some of the best I felt. And like before the injury, like I think he looked so Brooke, spry. Yeah. He just, and I don't looked, know if that was because he didn't play for four months or whatever, right. but like, 
I mean, he looked like he, he was so pumped to be out there and he looked quicker yeah. than I think, you know, he ever has. Right. And so I do wonder if like they kind of take a similar approach with content. Now, granted, it's a finger injury. It's not a back injury, but, you know, making sure that Pat content like is good and feels good. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we don't want to rush you back and like take your fucking time with this and it's it'll be OK. Like We'll figure it. We figured it out with everybody else. Like it's it's all good. So, yeah, I, I do wonder. And then, you you know, I'm not a big George Hill guy, but you have George Hill like that again. To your point, I think I think really where we land on this third quarter, fourth quarter thing is the Bucks have so many ways to counteract some of the problems of the third quarter that maybe they solve it, you know, on the fly. I don't think when we looked at problems, because I made this point, ah, gosh, I don't know when, when I wrote, did this podcast, but I made the point of like the Bucks third quarter is giving me a lot of like Packer special teams vibes or the Brewers couldn't get a hit against anybody vibes and where it was like we were going to be doomed by it by the end of it but i do wonder will the will the will the bucks actually figure it out just because they'll have the parts get larger and larger and there's more combinations that bud can fuck with and figure out yeah i think as you you get like you mentioned you get pat back takes a lot of if not all west minutes and um you know at full strength um yeah. like that thing too is like a lot of the stuff that you know simmons has been talking about with like brooklyn and and probably teams in the league that have to kind of figure this out on the fly the bucks are or has been there for you know a full two seasons now i mean it's not like you know they have to figure out certain things and with each other i mean they pretty much know how to play together so yep. um you know, I, I feel like you're, you know, the best is yet to come, obviously, which is totally the most important thing. As as the kids would say, scary hours are coming, Mitch. Um, you know, put the devil emoji, everything like that. All right. Speaking of the Brewers, we got to go quick because we've been we we've been going long, which good. Uh, the Brewers. So I read I read an article last year, and I or I tweeted out. Let's start there. I tweeted out that I don't know how much it's going to help the Brewers. The fact that the Pirates and Reds are proverbially taking. They're not going to be very good this season. While I enjoy the fact that Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker are no longer on the Reds to torment the Brewers, I appreciate that. Same with Sonny Gray. Uh, Carlos Martinez also now in the Giants. I know that's the Cardinals. But a lot of Brewer killers have left the division, which is great. I, I like that. But the Reds being bad, I don't think helps the Brewers in October. And Chris Castellani, Castellini, I don't know had an article on Barstool after the White Sox got eliminated by the Astros and saying that the AL Central has a problem with the playoffs. Basically, the premise being they're not enough good divisional opponents and it doesn't get you playoff ready. And I wondered about that with the Brewers last season. And now I, I worry it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue. Like I do, my expectations are pretty high for the Brewers, but there's going to be that like in the back of my head wondering, is this team – is that are we going to be another smoke and mirror season where we look really good against the teams we're supposed to, but like when the chips are down against the Dodgers or the Mets, um, will we not necessarily live up to that level of play? Uh, that's amusing of you to assume the Mets won't actually, you know, be a, be the Mets. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they got Scherzer and Degrom, man. Like that's I know, like I know. that's like you know, like the, oh, you know, know, Degrom. Every every Degrom's good to come out in the third inning of every third start, um, and then end up on the DL for or the injured right. list for you know a stint or two. Um, no, I mean they they they'll be fine more than likely, but um, I, I guess I guess you'd have to look at. I mean, the Reds are probably going to be a disaster and Pittsburgh is not going to be any better than they, than they were a year ago. So, and that's what, 36 games right there yeah, or something for the Brewers. I mean, you know, I guess let's say the Brewers win a hundred games. I mean, and if, is their record propped up significantly by those two teams? I mean, do they go 30 and six against teams or 30 and eight? I mean, then, I mean, maybe I'd be worried because that, that kind of, it sort of is, you know, a, I can say a fraudulent, but um, an inflated 100 win team. Right. Which was laid out. I, I read the majority of the article too, but I think that's what I took from it was, you know, the White Sox won, what, 91 games or something last year. And, you know, if you take out, you know, all those series against two horrible teams, then they're probably a 500 team. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's possible. Um, I'd love to see the Brewers win 100 games. I, they haven't done it yet, have they? No. They got close last year. They got close last year, yeah. I Dakota has them at 97. Um, Dakota always loves the Brewers. But I I do think that I'm paying more attention. I guess what it has done is it's, it's perked my radar up. I'm paying – like, I usually wouldn't pay attention to that shit. And I know Tim Allen – well, I would say as a friend of the program, he's never been on the show, but I, I'd call Tim a friend of the program. Um, you know, oh, yeah. it says one game one is as important as game 162. That's Tim says that all the time. Baseball die hard, you know, lives and breathes oh. for his baseball. But Tim, Tim, says, Tim says every game is a huge game. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, he does. If Tim, if Tim was doing brewer reviews, like, Tim would be like catatonic if they blew like a, a, a ninth inning and then just be like through the roof if they hit a walk off you know what i mean like, he always has like a like a spin with like it could be the second game of a weekend series in may against you know x x team and it's like oh this is huge setting up you know next week or you know and it's you know <laughs> you, you can you can argue it it's fun but yeah yeah really no. really it's not not really a hill of beans now uh, in may no, it's yeah. Well, yeah, you don't really start dialing it in until like July, but I do. I am gonna. I will say I will pay more. I will be closely paying closer attention to like the matchups against the Braves, the Mets. I should probably say the Braves over the Mets, the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Cardinals. I think you know the Cardinals are gonna be right there. Um, they have They're new, gonna be good. Yeah, they they have a new manager, so we'll see how that goes for them. Um, and I don't know what the Cubs are doing. Um, you know, they just signed Suzuki, um, who I, I was surprised that he went. Well, I'm not surprised he went to Chicago. Chicago is a huge market. And they have some familiarity with that with Kosuke Fukudome. But I, I do wonder, like, I didn't necessarily know that the Cubs were trying to be competitive this year. And I guess they are. They might look for a guy like Eric Hosmer, potentially. Um, they were, I, I think, sniffing around with Freddie Freeman. I don't think they... I don't know if they made any sort of significant move on that, but it's interesting that the Cubs just decided, all right, we're basically going to 
rebuild for like a year, but it's not actually a rebuild. It's more of a reload. And we're just going to try it with new puzzle pieces because we're sick of these guys, which is, is kind of mind numbing in a way, just given the fact that there's so much reverence for, I think that those Cubs. And I think even seeing Chris Bryant today, take a huge deal from the Colorado Rockies, which another just, I don't understand baseball. Baseball's a little drunk. I'll be honest. Like I, there have been a lot of things that have not made a lot of sense to me. And Brian going to the Rockies is like number one. I'm like, what the fuck? Like I heard it was rumored, but I just, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Makes sense. On sides, really? I mean, you have Chris Bryant who goes to the Rockies. I, you know, they're not, he probably somewhere to, to, to more of a winning situation. And then from the Rockies side, like you just traded Arenado, who's yeah. better for and probably was making the same amount of money, roughly. I mean, what's the difference? Well, Arenado, I guess, kind of did the like NBA True. thing. He wanted out. True, he did. Like he the he ownership did. drove him crazy. But as people I think Ken Rosenthal tweeted out, like, what's why is Bryant gonna be any different? And I understand the pushback of like, shouldn't we be cheering on some guys going to like small market teams, quote unquote? And, like, we should. We still can't, like, wonder, you know, why they want to go there. Like, it's just it, – it's just – it looks like a cash grab for Chris Bryant, in my opinion. And it looks like yeah. the Rockies trying to stay relevant and say, look, we have a star and we need to sell tickets. That, to me, is True. what that, that says. And it's so fucking baseball that the Rockies signed Chris Bryant on the same day that the Broncos introduced Russell Wilson. So, no matter what, they're going to be – you know, the second headline in the Denver post, it's not going to be Brian. It's going to be Russell Wilson, or they might pair them together, but Russell Wilson still mean, means a lot more than, uh, than Chris Bryant. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's, that's the NFL, the Broncos there. Um, yeah, that's, it's just, it, it is, it is a goofy, you know, and the stuff the Reds have done has been kind of, you know, it's, it, it's honestly, it's good to see baseball back and making moves and all this craziness. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of highlighting at the same time, like, you know, the Reds, it's hilarious. The Reds went all in, you and to the cows came home about how to, uh, how to run a team. The Reds spent a bunch of money two years ago. And now that that's basically done and uh, it didn't work out. They gave up on it early, but I will say with Chris Bryant, like, you know, he probably knows in the back of his mind he'll he'll get traded in three years anyway. So, um, you know, he, he can go to the Dodgers in a couple of years or something, right? And uh, you know, find a winning a winning team. And who knows? You know, the Rockies are competitive, and it's not like they've never made the playoffs. Um, they just are a funky organization. They have a obviously some some weird ownership. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny, but I mean, I think like the Mariners are going to be amazing. I think um, I hope so because yeah. you know their fans, the way that they showed up at the end of last year, they came up short. But I feel like that city deserves you know a good team, and you know they should be good. They they've added, they've done nothing but add people, and you know with with the landscape of baseball, out. I mean. You didn't see that a lot, you know, a lot of, a lot of hesitation and for the Mariners, but never been shot horses or short of resources. 
you know, yeah. see a team like that go all in. And even the Brewers, I mean, getting Andrew McCutcheon, I, I guess I, I, I wouldn't even have expected the Brewers to do anything. To be honest with you. And they added even more to yeah. go with an already loaded staff. And now you have like so many options on, on up and I wouldn't get too comfortable with any lineups for the, but. Oh, no. Um, no. Because Craig will have 140 different lineups over 162 <laughs> games, especially with the DH now. Oh, God. So. Craig's Craig's just covered his pants. Like that. I mean, the amount of lineups that Craig can come out with are, so it's going to be top notch. Um, I do think you're going to get, I, the only thing I want the Brewers to do is get a right handed first baseman so you can against lefties really sort of pound lefties because that was their problem last year and McCutcheon helps a little bit of that but they need to need to do a little bit more there but we'll see you know the Brewers always seem to find guys around the fringe um and that I'm, I'm still patient that they could they could potentially do that uh before the season kicks off so we got got a little ways to go but I'm excited to have Brewers I think the Brewers who are, are go ahead who are your options who are your options I do Edwin Encarnacion, is he still playing? I, I haven't looked at oh, it, God. to be honest. No, I'm just, I mean, just, just getting around. I have no idea. I have no idea right now who – I can look do it up real quick who's available for agents here. Um, speaking of the Brewers, are, are you buying uh, Aaron Ashby stock that Ashby will uh, be a starting pitcher for the Brewers in, at the start of the season, or do you think he's going to get bumped to the uh, – I don't think – I, I don't think – He's going to start. Uh-huh. I think you, Stearns has talked a couple uh, you're of times. Break, oh, sorry. No, you're breaking up there a little bit. You, what did you, what did yeah, you say you, there? I would say Stearns has talked a couple of times about having a six-man rotation, and I think that's where Aaron Ashby comes in as a starter. Um, they piggyback him with with He goes three or four innings. I, I think he's the deployable arm that Josh Hader was. That's where I like Aaron Ashby to be. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in charge of things. And they have kind of kind of gone away from that actually. But that's where I like where a guy you could stretch out and uh, on occasion if you need to. But you know, he, he could be like a two or three inning reliever otherwise. Um yeah, I'm I'm buying that a bit. I mean the Brewers could Voight from the Yankees. Yeah, but Voight's um, a Voight's a lefty, right? Or is he a righty? Right in here. Okay. Okay. Then yeah, sign me up for Luke Voigt. I was gonna mention Luke Voigt, but I thought Luke Voigt was a righty for some reason. Yeah, definitely sign me up. I can do Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt has he has a little bit of Vogelbach in him, like definitely kind of a party animal a little bit, has that party animal look, that vibe. I think you get Luke Voigt in Milwaukee, and I think you you do good things with that. That can that can go. So uh definitely uh, Jose Mart Jose Martinez. Oh, that guy! That guy can hit. He just can't field or shit. So you just have him as DH. I don't. I don't mind that. Um, what about Albert Pools? Forty-two. Bring him back. Machine. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. Mostly a joke. I don't like Albert Pools at all. Talk about a guy who bows his own farts and sniffs some Albert Pools is classic example of that. All right. Lastly, as we wrap up, um, you are famously known for the kiss of death. Um, you have seen your champion bow out the first weekend. How many years? You say what, like four, four or the last five? Um, like, not, 
not my champion always, but like I pretty much lose a Final Four team in the first round every year. <laughs> so, close. so for the people, what is your Final Four? Um, so they can they can fade you. My, um, it's it, the ink has dried on the on the uh, physical bracket. Okay. Um, the paper bracket. It's going to be Gonzaga, uh, UCLA. Villanova. Okay. Not bad bragging. I, I think it's going to be pretty chalky. I uh, I might like that UCLA pick. I mean, I don't know. The Indiana matchup in the second round kind of scares me. Like, I think Indiana beats St. Mary's. And that, that kind of – like, I I said this a little bit on yesterday's show and will reiterate it. Like, I have completely overthought myself. Like, my first bracket, I had, like, three one seeds. And then, like, the odds of three one seeds are really actually rare. And I think, like, I want to put Tennessee in the final four. But I know, like, I can't trust Rick Barnes. But then, like, I heard Mark Titus on uh, PMT and was like, yeah, but we said we couldn't trust Scott Drew. And we said we couldn't trust Tony Bennett. And, like, they, they were the last two national champions. Like, I'm not yeah. saying Tennessee's going to win the championship, but it's like, why, why can't I? But I also, like, I don't really want an SC, all-SEC final because, like, I do think Kentucky's the best team in basketball. Like, I, I do. I But that Murray State game, if they face Murray State in the second round, scares the living fuck out of me if, if I have Kentucky. Because I, I just see that, like, Loyola, Illinois, basically, like, same sort of shit. Although I think Kentucky's better coached and has better players. Because I think Illinois is full of head cases. Like, I have Illinois going out to Chattanooga. Um, I just, I don't know. Illinois Illinois is like a team with, they have all the talent in the world, but they, it's all between the years of them. And I just think they, they let that, they kind of just let down. I don't know, man. It's, it's weird, but not buying any sort of Illinois stock. Um, and I'm also not buying any Houston stock. I like, I kind of like that UAB, like, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be definitely a fun bracket. Like I, I'm really excited for it. Um, I, I have, I have USC being Auburn. Um, okay. So that's I, probably tough because I mean, you, I thought USC was underseeded and um, granted playing Auburn in Greenville, South Carolina is that's basically two road games for USC to start the tournament. Um, right. So, but I, I just think they they were a little underseeded. Um, Wisconsin to the Final Four obviously scares the shit out of me, but they have Milwaukee and then Chicago, where it's like that's going to be. Uh, well, if they play Kansas in Chicago, that won't necessarily be a total home game, but because you well, know Kansas they, will mean, travel. If they play Iowa. In Chicago, like that would be, I mean, that would be probably 50 50, right? You have a lot of Maybe, Hawkeyes yeah. in Chicago. Like, I think that being the like Big Ten Apex, right? With Big Ten Geek, if you had Iowa, Wisconsin in the, in the Elite Eight, that's, trusted, a, that's a that's a battleground state. Trust, yeah, battleground trust, city. Trust in Iowa, though, is like, again, another one. Like, Fran McCaffrey's yeah. never went to the Sweet 16, never. Like, yeah. Like Rick Barnes at least has a final four. Like it was TJ Ford, Dwayne Wade was fucking playing, but at least he has one. Like Fran fucking hasn't even got to the second weekend. He's had good teams at Iowa. 
So well, that, I have your I have your boy South Dakota State beating Iowa in the second round. So oh the the very sexy the Camille Costic South Dakota State. I, yeah, I what's his name? B- Baylor Shireman or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Baylor a, Shireman. Yeah, he sounds, player. He's, sounds like an Amish man. Did you know their uh, their head coach was a, the Burlington Central coach for like three years, four years? I saw that on Twitter today. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know there were some. So there's him. There. So when when the Wisconsin job opens up and Greg Gard's fired, just kidding. But it's going to be him, uh, Nate Oates. Um, Sean Miller. I'm just kidding. Just, just making jokes. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Mark Nate, Nate Oates is that the Alabama coach? Yeah, he's from Watertown. He's he does not resemble like he's more of a Marquette coach than he is a Badger coach. But I think he has some Badger ties. Um, but he, if you like watch like his like the way he talks, the way he kind of has a swagger about him, it's much more Marquette than it is Wisconsin, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I, I actually don't. I think if we'll see if Rutgers holds on, but I, if Rutgers does hold on. I really do like Rutgers against Alabama. I think Rutgers, I have that. I Rutgers, have that. Rutgers is, are some motherfuckers. Like they just, they, they play their ass. They're up by five and a half times. So this could be completely meaningless by the time this goes up. But you never know. So yeah, we'll see, man. Good luck to everybody. If you're listening to this and it's the it hasn't tipped off yet, you still have time to enter Tavern to Keg Madness. Do that. We will have a show tomorrow. Um, it'll be a short show. I'm probably just gonna do Marquette reaction and we'll do some QA stuff. That was that was good last time. Got a few responses. So we'll do some QA. Um, and that'll be it. And so we'll we'll shorten that shit up and then who knows? Maybe we'll pop back on on Sunday after Marquette and maybe before Wisconsin. It's hard because I'm, you know, this whole like anti, not even the anti-Badger thing, Mitch, but it's like, I'm, I don't want to like, I, I can give you Badger takes, but I'm, it's it's just definitely cut and dry. It's more of a big J approach than it is a uh, actual fan approach. Yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've heard some of it. Yeah. So. All right. All you can do. Well, take care, everyone. Um, make sure you just listen to Rex Chapman on mute and then you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be okay for the rest of the rest of the weekend. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing he probably, he probably won't have a ton of studio time. Um, Oh no. I mean, he's on like true TV. He's on like true TV. And the only reason he's on there is because CNN is trying to fucking sell their like, uh, subscription service that no one's going to fucking buy. And yeah, I don't know. He's just, uh, I fucking hate that guy. Um, he's just whatever. Didn't mean to get on tangent there, Mitch. I'm sorry. Um, that let you down. La- last second tangents for me are like peanut butter and jelly. So, all right. For sure. That shall do it. Uh, any last words for the people? No, good luck on your bracket, I guess. And, yeah. you know, just hopefully survive the first weekend. And Good luck on your bracket. Have, have at least one Final Four team left after the first weekend. <laughs> Good luck on your bracket. Stay safe. Enjoy all the all the fun. They'll be here in Milwaukee. If you're single, maybe run yourself into some strange. Maybe a little LSU lady, lady. Maybe a little Iowa State. You know, just uh, just see what's out there. You know, you never know. Uh, that's my advice for people. That's a good sign that we need to go. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. See you. Bye. Peace. Peace.